On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, an alleged photo of the upcoming Model 3 Project Highland revamp has hit the internet. I believe it's real, and I'll tell you what I think of it. Plus, a ton of new features are coming to the Tesla in-car UI, including some long-awaited and welcome new accessibility options and more. What's happening, friends? Welcome to Ride the Lightning, episode 402 for April 16th, 2023. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. I've got Daisy the Boxer to my left, looking casually and longingly out the window at the street below. And behind me, chilling out, Zelina the Future Service Dog. Well, it has been so nice for me driving around a clean Model 3, a clean and quiet Model 3 this week after A, getting my up my noisy upper control arms fixed last week, but B, spending over two hours washing and cleaning, detailing the heck out of it last weekend. It's just, I can't explain it for me. It is so cathartic, particularly after it had been dirty for well over a month after just all of the rain that the San Francisco Bay Area has had this winter. We are into spring. The skies have been sunny. My solar panels are generating more and more power every day. It is it is fun to watch on the app. Like every day it goes up a little bit if it's sunny. So that's been pretty cool. But who cares about that? My life when I can tell you about what you care about and that is the Cybertruck. I've got an awesome new basically 99% confirmed fact about the Cybertruck that is bound to make you happy. So a spy photo from Giga Austin by Twitter user Gregor Truck shows a Cybertruck beta outside of Giga, Texas, in front of what folks who seem to know much more about this stuff than I do suggest is a wind tunnel testing chamber set up out there. And the Cybertruck was parked outside, just right in front of it. Anyway, the important part is that in this zoomed-in spy photo, the frunk is open. And it is now a Ford F-150 Lightning-style frunk where the entire front of the Cybertruck opens up rather than just the top lid opening up, which is how it was on the prototype and how it is on all of our Teslas, all four of the other Teslas that are in production. It's just that top lid that opens up. And of course, this is such a nice thing in the Cybertruck because you're talking about a very tall vehicle, one that is taller than any of the other four Teslas, that if you want to lift stuff up and over, maybe a cooler, maybe even just like a case of bottled water, whatever it is, you don't have to lift, lift it all the way up and then drop it in. You've got the entire front of the Cybertruck that opens up. You can just kind of, you know, you've got it at chest level and just slide it on in there. So that is a really nice quality of life improvement. And, and I think too, a rare case of the competition influencing Tesla rather than the other way around, which is pretty much how it's been for the last 10 years since Tesla has, has come into being, Tesla influencing all of the other electric vehicles. I mean, they still continue to do so. But anyway, we the customers win here with, uh, with Ford making an awesome choice on the F-150 Lightning and Tesla uh, seeing that 
Since the Cybertruck prototype was unveiled and built in 2019 to now uh, making it F-150 Lightning-like for the production version, love it. I want to say thank you to the Tesla engineers for making that change. Now, I guess I can't say for a fact that it's directly attributable to the competition, to, to the Ford F-150 Lightning, but I think, it's, I think it is a fair uh, assessment to make, even, even if I can't prove that it's factually accurate until we get a quote from a Tesla executive on the record saying, yeah, we saw it in the F-150 Lightning and we decided to do it, which, by the way, they're probably never going to say that on the record. They might say it off the record, but the point is we've got a bigger frunk opening now and that's a good thing. Uh, I hope all of you who are backing me at the $10 per month tier or higher on Patreon enjoyed this week's lightning round mini episode, which is the mini show that I do each week, the additional piece of content that I do each week for everybody on Patreon at that $10 tier or higher. I gave my very, very detailed impressions of FSD beta 11.3.6. Now that I've spent a week driving it since getting home from my family trip. Hint, they are very positive. Very, very positive impressions. Not perfect, but I talked in a lot of detail. This was a this was like a 21-minute uh, lightning round, which is longer than they usually are. Anyway, uh, as a reminder, if you would like to support me on Patreon, support the podcast, you can get access to all of those lightning round mini episodes that I do every week, the entire back catalog, plus everything I'm going to do every week from here on out by joining the Patreon, by backing me, supporting me on Patreon. You can find all the information for that on my Patreon page found at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Again, if you want to do the annual pledge, just pay once to support me for an entire year. You get a 10% discount now for doing that. All right. Uh, let's get on with the proper Tesla news for this week. You know, the the uh, Cybertruck Frunk, I think, was a nice warm-up that gets you in a good mood, right? It got me in a good mood. It gets better. I mean, maybe not for Tesla because they didn't want this revealed ahead of time. But it's it's fun for us as Tesla fans, people in the community. A leaked picture of what is allegedly, I do have to caveat that, Allegedly, the new Project Highland Model 3 has been posted online. Now, I would encourage you as you listen to this to take a look at the photo yourself so that you can better follow along during my analysis here. All you got to do is Google Model 3 Project Highland picture. That's it. I tried it. It worked. You can click on any of them. And what you will see is a black Model 3 with no front hood badge. It's under a car cover in a warehouse somewhere, but the front half of the cover is pulled up as if it was done very deliberately in order to take a picture and post it on the internet uh, because the back half of the car is still covered. And in fact, the cover is being held down by straps, but the cover's nevertheless been pulled up where it can, the picture taken, posted online, uh, it's posted without citing any source, likely because if it's real, whoever the source is would get in big, big trouble, meaning fired to start with, assuming that this picture was taken and posted, or at least taken by a Tesla employee, and perhaps sued on top of that. But 
Uh, my guess, and, and I should add too, it's parked next to another car under a cover. Who knows what the heck that is? My guess, just from looking at the picture, is that this could be the bowels of the Tesla design studio in Hawthorne, which is, of course, Franz's shop, which could explain the bug guts on the front. There's just the front of it's completely covered in bug guts, which tends to happen more at night. You might think, okay, well, if this thing's been running around, is is it even real? Is this just a Photoshop? Uh, it There is a very real way that it could be real and have gotten all those bugs on it. And that is when you remember that the design center at Hawthorne, California is directly adjacent to the Hawthorne Regional Airport. If you remember back to the semi-truck and roadster unveiling in 2017, they that's where the event was staged, on the premises there with the uh, regional airport directly behind so that they could they had a lot of room to to run the the Tesla semi and get it turned around and dra- and that's also when they were zipping around the roadster after they rolled it off the back of the semi's trailer and they were zipping it around and then it comes back of course to the stage. So, let's talk about this photo. Again, I do believe it's real. Uh, I, I it may not be, but let's I, I do think it is and let's proceed as if it is. And then in about anywhere from three to six or so months, we will be able to look back and know for sure if this was real. Uh, So first, let me start with the headlights. The headlights have a little bit of a vibe of the 2020 next-gen Roadster prototype to them. And by that, I mean they're a similar general shape. They are wide and not tall, unlike the current Model 3 and thus also Model Y headlights that are more L-shaped at the corner, you know, the front front corners of the car. Now, the front lip, where the front fascia meets the hood, I guess maybe you'd call that the what was kind of the duckbill nose of the uh, of our current Model 3 and Model Y. It is now a hard angle which to me is very reminiscent of the original Model 3 Alpha prototype, which, by the way, I do remind you, is currently on display up into October as part of the Tesla exhibit at the Peterson Auto Museum in Los Angeles. Go see it. I mean, you've heard me say this before. The exhibit is so worth seeing, and one of the most awesome vehicles in there is that original Model 3 Alpha prototype with the absolutely stunning, insane who knows how many paint stages and layers it is of silver paint that's on that Alpha Model 3. Anyway, uh, I said, now, if you go way back, way back to when the final Model 3 was first shown, I have no idea what episode that would have been, but just trust me on this. I did say back then that I liked that sharper point that the front nose comes to on that silver Alpha prototype versus the more rounded off version that we got in the production car. And if you remember back to my first Franz interview back on episode 220, I did ask him about that, and he told me that it was just a design choice, nothing to do with aerodynamics or anything else. So it seems for Highland, for the revamp, they are going back to that sharper duckbill, that sharper point at the nose. Also... 
perhaps adding further credibility to this being a real photo and a legitimate leak, there are no ultrasonic sensors on the front of this car, which of course, we all know that Tesla's not currently putting them on (laughs) any of the cars, which is not making a lot of people happy given the state of the vision-based software-driven replacement. But take that into consideration as well. Now, uh, elsewhere, the hood of this vehicle, it looks a lot longer. I, I'm emphasizing looks. It, it at least looks noticeably longer than the current Model 3. Although I have to caveat that by saying it could just be the angle of the photo. But if that observation proves accurate, it leads me to wonder if the usable frunk storage will be greater than what we have in our Model 3s now, if we'll get a little more usability out of the frunk. This picture, this car, also features new wheels. Now, you can only see one of them at a crappy angle, the front left wheel, and you, like I said, you just you really can't get a good look at them, but I can see enough of them to be pretty confident to say that to my eye, they look like a bit of an evolved version of the 19-inch sport wheels that the Model 3 has had since it first came out in 2017. In fact, and this is an educated guess here, but again, from studying the photo, this car looks like it has 19-inch wheels on it, just looking at the the tire sidewall. It's definitely not a 20-inch wheel, because I know very well what that looks like, because I look at it every day on my own Model 3, but it does look like it's less sidewall than the Model 3 18-inch tire. So I think these are 19s. They look like an evolved version of the sport wheel. We shall see on that. But all in all, I think that when we see the final tidied up, meant for public consumption version of this thing from all angles with the badge on the front of the hood, I think I'm really going to like it because I I like it already. I, I like the headlights a lot. I like the sharper front nose a lot. Am I going to be trading in my car? Probably not. I can't afford to do that. That's, that is not in the cards for me, and that's okay. I am not complaining. My car is almost paid off. I think I've got, I got to double check, but I think I've got two more payments to go. Uh, and we've also, as I've said, we've got our eye on the Cybertruck now to, as, that, as the next vehicle in the family to replace my wife's car. Plus, with regard to my Model 3, I'm lucky enough to have free lifetime supercharging on it and free lifetime premium connectivity. So I'm very, very fortunate that my Model 3 is something of a unicorn. Plus, setting all that aside, I just plain and simple still love my Model 3. But then again, who am I kidding? Once I see a new Model 3, a new version of the car that I own and have and love for the last five years or so, well, almost five years, I'm probably going to get really, really thirsty for a new one, but I probably won't be getting it. But yeah, I'm, uh, I'm eager to see the, the final car. Anyway, again, I have to acknowledge it is possible that this is a very talented Photoshopper at work and that this is a fake image meant to stir up the Tesla community. But again, from the bug guts all over the front of this black car, 
to the Franz-like design cues on the lower air dam and the headlights, to the fact that it's an image of a car with half of its car cover pulled up. Why would you fake that? And, and do, I mean, you, I guess if you were really committed to the bit, you could, but anyway, I think it's real is the bottom line. So take a look at it. Hopefully you have by now. And uh, if you've, you want to comment on it, feel free to email me, tweet me, Instagram message me, or even call in. We can do some calls on this on next week's podcast. I'll give you the call-in information later on in the show when we get to the Ride the Lightning Hotline segment. Next up this week, accessibility options for the in-car UI are finally coming along with a lot more. Credit for this goes to the software update trackers over at Teslascope. They broke the news on this one. In their tweet, they said a new unreleased Tesla software update 2023.12. So they're talking about the main production branch rather than the FSD beta branch, which runs behind the main production branch. Anyway, they say a new unreleased Tesla software update is now going out to employee vehicles, including a trove of interface-oriented improvements. And then they did a Twitter thread to list those features, complete with screenshot proof of them from that new software version. I'd like to list each of them for you here and comment on each one because there is some really, really great stuff in here. First and foremost, text size adjustments, i.e. larger font options. And for this one, I can almost see a lot of you out there pumping your fist saying yes under your breath because, I mean, I've been talking about this one for a while. I've had calls from you folks out there about this one as well, going back a long time. This is a major, long overdue accessibility feature because remember, I mean, as you don't have, I don't think it's a subjective opinion. I think it's pretty factual to say some of the fonts used in the UI now are tiny. So it is going to be really nice to have some text size adjustments. The second thing, controls search, which is described simply as a way to look for a function that you can't find. So again, another great accessibility feature here. If you can't find something, something that you're looking for, just search for it with this. So I think this should be particularly useful for new owners, but it'll probably still come in handy for us Tesla veterans as well from time to time. Another welcome feature here. Next up, points of interest on the map, i.e., you can see photos and reviews of a designated point of interest. When you select one on the map, or same thing, photos and reviews, when you select a supercharger location. So seemingly here, the Googlefication, not a real word, but we're gonna roll with it, of the Tesla map screen continues to evolve. And I think this is great. I mean, this way, if you wanna read reviews of a restaurant that you're considering going to, you can easily do so right on the car's screen for everyone in the car to easily see rather than having one person take out their phone and have to read the reviews or, or relay the information to everybody in the car. Next, additional phone call controls are coming, 
i.e. use the left scroll button to answer or decline incoming calls and while on a call, use it to mute or hang up. So speaking for myself, sometimes I am on conference calls in my car and anytime I am, I always keep myself muted so that the ambient noise of the car cabin, the road noise, doesn't create that annoying hiss, you all know what I'm talking about, for the other people on the call. It's not a big deal to just reach out and tap the screen to mute and unmute when I want to talk, but hey, it's even more convenient to be able to have that ability without having to move my hand off the steering wheel, so I think I'm going to be getting a good bit of use out of this one. We are not done. There are still a few more here. Next, scroll wheel customization, i.e. using the left wheel to adjust brightness, acceleration mode, open the glove box, etc. So this one here is bringing functionality that the Model S has had basically since the beginning up until the refresh in 2021. So what was old is new again, and I think it's great. From reading the rest of the description, it sounds like this might be customizable for other things too, not just the default list of the, the couple things I just mentioned for you. Like for instance, the ability to adjust the cabin temperature up and down, which again, the legacy S's and X's could do right from the steering wheel. So, I mean, we all know that the scroll wheel buttons on the steering wheel are basically blank canvases. They are macro keys that can be bound to basically anything. They're unlabeled. Tesla's free to do whatever they want with them. So I'm really glad to see Tesla's, Tesla allowing us to do more with those scroll wheel buttons. Next, gear chimes, i.e. a sound plays when you shift gears. So pretty self-explanatory and simply that's another nice accessibility feature. Just in case you know, you've accidentally gone into a gear you weren't intending, maybe you, uh, you went into neutral and not drive, you know, it's just, it's nice to have that chime if you want it there. So good stuff. Uh, the second to last one that I've got to mention for you is passenger seat controls from the rear screen. So obviously SRX only for now, but pretty soon Cybertruck will get this as well. And thus you can use that rear screen to adjust the passenger seat to make it easier to enter or exit the rear seats, the second row. My question is on this, does this work if the car detects that someone is in that front passenger seat? I'd have to imagine it doesn't, right? You wouldn't want somebody in the back seat being able to just shove, the, shove somebody sitting in that front passenger seat all the way forward in a really potentially uncomfortable way. So I would have to imagine it doesn't work if it detects somebody that's in the seat. But still, this is nevertheless a pretty nice feature, although I'm honestly not sure if this one's gonna get used a lot. I mean, I could see it getting used maybe a bit more in the X for its second row than the S's second row, but then again, maybe I'm wrong, and this is gonna be really useful for a lot of people. But hey, it's still a good thing to have. You can now control it from the back row, control that passenger seat movement from the second row. And finally, the last thing on the list here is get to know your Tesla. 
i.e. in-car tutorials. Now, I've been calling for these for a while, and I'm far from alone in that. Uh, I remember where I really kind of realized that this was a necessary thing was ever since I helped initiate the owner volunteering at the delivery centers during those big end of quarter pushes, that started back in Q3 of 2018, shortly after I got my own car. And it was, it was, that was a big piece of feedback that I gave to Tesla at that time. Again, not that they, I'm not trying to pretend I'm some genius. Like I'm sure they already had taken note of it themselves, but to be fair as well, the cars do have this now. When you first take delivery, as many of you can personally attest to, you get in, you get set up for the first time, and it walks you through a lot of the the basic functionality. But I'm really glad that Tesla is making this a permanent, easily visible, and accessible thing. Now, that's all the features that are coming. That's a lot. I decided to make this the subject of this week's Patreon poll. I asked simply... What's your favorite of the upcoming new in-car UI features? 192 of you voted. Thank you so much. Again, the Patreon poll is open to anyone. You don't have to be a Patreon backer to vote. Just go to patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Every week, the polls are usually posted on Tuesday evenings. And I had them all. So there were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight choices plus a ninth that's just None of these and or just show the results. Only three of you, 3% of you selected that. The winner of this poll, it was really two that stood out above the others. The uh, highest ranking choice here, 30% of the vote went to the scroll wheel customization. Again, that functionality that the legacy S's and X's have had since the jump that's now coming to the rest of the fleet, including the new S's and X's. Coming in just behind that, 26% of the vote was those text size adjustments, that big accessibility feature, being able to get those larger font options. 20% of you voted for the points of interest on the map, and then 9% each for the controls search, as well as the additional phone call controls. 2% of you voting for the gear chimes. Not a single person voted for those rear seat uh, controls of the front passenger seat. So nobody voted for that one. So maybe that <laughs> maybe that backs up my thinking there from a moment ago that, 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 that I don't really see who that, you know, if that one's really going to get a lot of use. 2% voted for the in-car tutorials, the get to know your Tesla. So thank you to everybody that took the time to vote in that one. Now, for you owners of the new Model S and Model X, as I move on to the next news item this week, a revised yoke with more durable materials is probably, gotta gotta throw that in there, probably, in parentheses, on the way. This comes via Reddit user global underscore chaos on the Tesla Motors subreddit, who posted screenshots of a text message exchange with a Tesla service advisor in Washington state who, when asked, presumably, about replacing his worn, his or her, worn steering yoke, was told by the service advisor, quote, a new yoke with improved materials will be available to service in July 2023. 
we do not recommend replacing the yoke until the improved parts are available. As parts become available, a bulletin will be added to your outstanding work history. End quote. So again, I suppose I should preface this by saying that we unfortunately can't take the, the word of a regional service center employee as fact here. And the reason for that is Tesla messaging historically has always come from the tippy top on down, basically from Elon on down. However, for my part, as someone who's in the field of communications for a living, to me, the way that was worded sounded pretty official to me. In other words, it didn't sound like that Tesla service center employee was just typing a sentence off the cuff to share that information with the Tesla owner. It, it's, it, instead, it did sound like it was pretty specifically worded official corporate messaging. Again, that's my interpretation of it. And, and what I mean by that is something that was probably sent out in a bulletin to service center employees. So if we do roll with this and take it as legitimate, I can say that this is not the first time I have heard of steering yokes with premature wear and tear. Apparently, this is happening to a lot of people with pretty low mileage on their new S or new X. I'm not sure what material Tesla used for the initial 1.0 version of the yoke's grip, but we do know that it's vegan since there aren't any animal products used in the interiors of any Tesla anymore. And in fact, that's been the case for a few years now. I know that there are plenty of you out there with that new Model S or Model X. So if your yoke is already wearing, and this is good news for you, I'd love to hear from you. Maybe via email, teslapodcast at gmail.com. And specifically, I'd love to see a photo of that wear and tear on your yoke. I just want to see what this looks like and where the wear points are. I mean, I would guess at the corners, probably, uh, like the outer, either outer bottom part or the actual outer lower corners. That would be my guess. But let me know if, if I'm wrong or on that or otherwise, I'd, again, I'd still like to see it, even if I've I've guessed correctly on that. And the good news is, that unless you have driven the heck out of your new Model S or Model X, and if you have, I can't blame you because the new S and X are awesome. So if you've already done 50,000 miles in your new S or new X, congratulations, and I trust you've been having an awesome time with your car. But unless you have driven the heck out of your new S or X, all of you are still covered under the four-year 50,000-mile warranty so if your yoke is prematurely worn, a replacement should be covered under warranty. And I mean, I guess the semi-obvious bit of advice that I would give on this is even if your steering yoke isn't worn yet, keep a close eye on it. And even if it's like borderline looking before your warranty is up in, you know, another two or three years or however many miles, whichever one comes first, See if you can get it replaced with this new and improved one while you are still covered under the factory warranty. Next this week, we've been having fun so far on this podcast. I have. I hope you have. This next story is not a fun one to talk about, but 
as I hope all of you would agree from, from listening to me over the years, I am here to be fair. And also this affects all of us Tesla owners. So here we go. Let's talk about it. Reuters reports that a California Tesla owner sued the electric car maker in a prospective class action lawsuit, accusing it of violating the privacy of customers. The lawsuit in the U.S. District Court for the Northern California, excuse me, Northern District of California came after Reuters reported that groups of Tesla employees privately shared via an internal messaging system sometimes highly invasive videos and images recorded by customers' cars' cameras between 2019 and 2022. The lawsuit from a gentleman in San Francisco who owns a Model Y, I won't name him, just, I guess, for privacy's sake, even though, I mean, it's, his name's out there, but I guess it doesn't really help anything to mention him, uh, alleges that Tesla employees were able to access the images and videos for their quote, again, this is quoting the lawsuit, tasteless and tortious entertainment. Boy, there's a legal word if you, if I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I've ever heard the word tortious used in everyday conversation. Anyway, uh, this is a serious topic. And quote, the humiliation of those surreptitiously recorded. The lawsuit adds, quote, Uh, like anyone would be, the person filing the lawsuit, was outraged at the idea that Tesla's cameras can be used to violate his family's privacy, which the California Constitution scrupulously protects. Uh, Actually, sorry, this quote is from Jack Fitzgerald, an attorney representing the owner who who gave a statement to Reuters. Uh, He added, quote, Tesla needs to be held accountable for these invasions and for misrepresenting its lax privacy practices to him and other Tesla owners. Now, I want to go back and read you Reuters' original report on this. So this is now the what fed in, what, what caused this lawsuit. Reuters had reported, Between 2019 and 2022, groups of Tesla employees privately shared via an internal messaging system sometimes highly invasive videos and images recorded by customers' car cameras, according to interviews by Reuters with nine former employees. Some of the recordings caught Tesla customers in embarrassing situations. One ex-employee described a video of a man approaching a vehicle completely naked. Also shared crashes and road rage incidents. One crash video in 2021 showed a Tesla driving at high speed in a residential area, hitting a child riding a bike, according to another ex-employee. I don't even want to read you the next line. Like, it's it's actually, I guess I, in the interest of giving you the full story, I will. I, 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 I boy, I glanced over this. I did not, like, not that I didn't glance, but I mean, I didn't really, like, stop to process this when I first read it. The child flew in one direction, the bike in another. The video spread around a Tesla office in San Mateo, California, via private one-on-one chats, quote, like wildfire, the ex-employee said. Other images were more mundane, such as pictures of dogs and funny road signs that employees made into memes by embellishing them with amusing captions or commentary before posting them in private group chats. While some postings were only shared between two employees, 
Others could be seen by scores of them, according to several ex-employees. To report this story, Reuters contacted more than 300 former Tesla employees who had worked at the company over the past nine years and were involved in developing its self-driving system. More than a dozen agreed to answer questions, all speaking on condition of anonymity. Reuters wasn't able to obtain any of the shared videos or images, which ex-employees said they hadn't kept. The news agency also wasn't able to determine if the practice of sharing recordings, which occurred within some parts of Tesla as recently as last year, continues today or how widespread it was. Some former employees contacted said the only sharing they observed was for legitimate work purposes, such as seeking assistance from colleagues or supervisors. So that's the, that's the last of the Reuters piece. If this is true, and Reuters does seem to have done some pretty thorough reporting on this, uh, though again, it's worth mentioning that they, you know, they did not actually see any of it for themselves, but I mean, I personally, as a journalist myself, I do put faith in the fact that they spoke to so many employees. I think they did their diligence here. That's my opinion. You may disagree. If this is true, then it's obviously kind of gross. Not even kind of gross. It's gross. I presume that these are sentry clips, but since it sounds like it has to do with autopilot labeling, we know the San Mateo office was an autopilot labeling team. Maybe they were pulling general requests from the system in order to label them like pedestrians or children or bicycles. And that's how this stuff ended up being watched by these employees. Again, that's at least that's my attempt to understand it. I'm certainly not forgiving it. Obviously, these employees need to look at this stuff to do their jobs. They're labeling things. But it's certainly, of course, stating the obvious, it's the sharing it that's a problem. Now, they didn't share it publicly, but they did share it internally, which is still, a, a, you know, the, where's the line there, I guess, is where you need to, that's what you need to ask yourself. And presumably, that's what this lawsuit is going to ask the justice system. So my question is, what do you do from here? Is a class action lawsuit the proper way to punish Tesla for this if it was deemed inappropriate for employees to be sharing this stuff around internally? I don't know. I'm just, I honestly, I don't know. I'm not pretending to have an answer. Maybe a class action lawsuit is proper punishment. Maybe it isn't. If it happens and it's successful, are we all going to get like a couple dollars from Tesla after all the legal fees? I Again, I don't know. And I'm not trying to be like cute or funny here. I'm like genuinely curious. Like what, where, what is the end game for this? Do you either in addition or as an alternative fire everyone involved? Can you? Are they all, st- I mean, I don't know. Do we even know exactly how many people were involved with this? And do we know exactly who they were? I mean, or can, does Tesla know, I guess, because obviously Reuters doesn't know, they, the public doesn't know. Personally, I am more concerned about making sure that privacy is buttoned up and something like this doesn't happen again. And 
for me, I think that Tesla tinkerer Jason Hughes, if that name rings a bell, he was mentioned on this podcast last year as somebody whose independent shop offers warranties for the batteries on the legacy Model S's and Model X's. I think he said it best, at least he said it best for me. I I share his opinion. So his Twitter response to Reuters report, he tweeted this, not a single frame of imagery from the vehicle's cameras should be allowed to leave the car for any reason without the owner explicitly opting in and having the ability to review all imagery before it is sent to Tesla. And those words I'm emphasizing, he's writing in all caps. So that's, I'm trying to read it accurately here. He continues saying, nothing should be allowed to leave the car without the owner explicitly reviewing and approving it. And if Tesla needs that data for some reason, they should provide clear incentives for people to opt in and review their recordings and submit them. So that's the end of his statement. And again, I, I, I'm with him. I I feel like he said it really well there. Uh, That, to me, that does seem like a good way to ensure that privacy is better protected from here on out. Uh, Next up this week, I've got two more stories to read for you. And they are happier. I've, I've learned my lesson. I'm trying not to end the news block on a bad note. I'm trying to, you know, want to be fair cover what needs to be covered, good or bad, but all right, a couple of of, uh, happier stories. Tesla has announced a new factory, but it's not for cars. It is for large-scale energy storage products. Tesla tweeted the announcement with a simple one-sentence tweet. They said, our next mega factory will be in Shanghai, capable of producing 10,000 megapacks per year. Well, This certainly is not a surprise given Tesla's very large presence in China and just the sheer size of China. There is a very huge market to tap into there and this facility will give Tesla the opportunity to do that in the most efficient way possible by having the mega packs made locally. So this now makes two mega factories The first one is here in California in Lathrop to go along with four active car producing gigafactories, a fifth one about to break ground, of course, Giga Mexico, one battery and drivetrain factory that's about to start manufacturing Tesla semis, that would be, of course, Giga Nevada, and one factory that makes solar panels, solar roof tiles, and superchargers Giga Buffalo, Giga New York. So, you know, when you just, when you pull back and take stock of all of that, and the fact that this is still, like Tesla's still growing. I mean, this is, this is, we're still on the upward swing and there's a long, long way to go. Tesla just continues to be this once in a lifetime growth story and once in a lifetime success story. And, and I just want to, ask you as I, I mean, I read this story and I I wrote some notes and I asked myself, isn't it so much fun being along for the ride and, and even, and being a part of it as Tesla owners and just watching this happen in real time, instead of reading about it in a history book as, you know, like reading about the Ford and the model T and, and, you know, uh, a production line, mass production, 
we are living history here. We are we are living through automotive history, energy, independence history. I mean, this is this is so much fun to be a small part of as a Tesla owner and for me as a as somebody making a Tesla podcast every week. I love it. I love it. Onward and upward. Speaking of onward and upward, the final story I have for you this week is that PepsiCo has taken delivery of 18 more Tesla semis, meaning that they now have over half of their order, which you may remember was a hundred of them. This comes via Tesla tipster Sawyer Merritt, who posted a clip of the report from Sacramento NBC affiliate KCRA. And as I play this uh, short clip for you, the gentleman interviewed in the middle of this is Todd Squarek, the chief sustainability officer at PepsiCo. Take a listen to the Sacramento NBC affiliates report. Pepsi Company celebrated its latest step in being a more sustainable and environmentally friendly company. PepsiCo's Sacramento facility became one of the first major metropolitan areas in the country to integrate Tesla semi-trucks into operations. There they are. Total of 18 electric vehicles, semis are now part of Sacramento's fleet. The company said the partnership with Tesla was made possible through a grant provided by Sacramento's Air Quality District. This latest move also builds on other sustainability efforts like solar and renewable water efforts. It's critical for us. We've uh, got some pretty aggressive goals to decarbonize our business, and by 2040, uh, we aim to have you know uh, you know almost 40 percent of our fleet decarbonized. PepsiCo says a single Tesla semi can drive 400 miles on one on a one-hour charge, and they say the semis can reduce the greenhouse emissions equal to 302 passenger cars every single year. You know, I've been seeing conflicting reports of how many total Tesla semis that PepsiCo has now. The Sacramento Bee reports that it's 36 total, while Mr. Merritt has the count at 54, that it was 36 previously delivered, and then these 18 new ones, and I believe he is correct. Anyway, uh, I would imagine that PepsiCo is so far the only customer of the Tesla Semi who has received any trucks so far while Tesla's still in early production on them. I mean, for starters, I think we'd have heard about it one way or another if any of the other billion-dollar corporate clients who've had orders in for the Tesla Semi for the past five-plus years had received theirs. And by the way, in case you've forgotten, and it would be understandable if you did because it's been a long time, some of those corporate customers include... Anheuser-Busch, Walmart, and FedEx, among others. Those companies, I would have to say, have been awfully patient, even more so now that PepsiCo has had their trucks for the past four-plus months. And because of that, I have to imagine that Tesla's going to start delivering more of them to other companies pretty darn soon. All right, that's everything I've got for you in another super busy week of Tesla news But stick with me, I've got some of your Ride the Lightning Hotline phone calls teed up and ready to go right after this. Hi, this is Franz von Holzhausen, and you're listening to Ride the Lightning with Ryan McCaffrey, the Tesla unofficial podcast. I've currently got a surround sound of dog snoring going on 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 either side of me, so I'm not sure if any of it's going to come through on the mic, but if you hear any, any doggo snoring, 
Or if you hear any, like, weird snorry sounds, that's exactly what it is. Anyway, welcome to the Ride the Lightning Hotline. Uh, There's been a ton of news this week, so in the effort to be respectful of your time, I'll do a few calls this week and get to some more next week. But if you want to call in and have a chance to be featured on the podcast, whether a uh, question, comment, or discussion topic, I welcome and invite you to do so. There are two easy ways to do that. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many people each week as possible, and then email that file to me at my podcast email address, which is teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can take that same 90 second or less question and just call in and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. The file will then be delivered to me in a nice, convenient MP3 format. You can dial me up anytime. The toll-free number is 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they are special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. By the way, a quick shout out to Carl from Cincinnati. Carl, uh, I'm sorry I couldn't play your call because it was four minutes long, but I just want you to know that I heard you and I am thrilled that your Model 3 performance is still giving you a thrill even after a couple years of ownership. I feel the exact same way about my Model 3 performance after almost five years. So thanks for your call. Let's kick it off with Dimitri from Maryland. Hey, Ryan. This is Dimitri from Maryland. As always, love your show. Called many times and uh, always appreciate your uh, your answers and uh, your knowledge. <clears throat> uh, my, my question this week is regarding um, trying to figure out any distinguishable uh, ways to see what some of the... Uh, uh, new models look like. So it's one of the things that me and my kids do when we drive is I like to tell them, you know, this is this car, this is this model, and we like to figure out what, you know, what the model is. Obviously, you know, the, 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 it's easy to distinguish like the performance models from the non-performance models. But with the uh, new, with the announcement of the new standard um, Model Y and um, the standard Model 3 being out there. Actually, I didn't even know that. I was just wondering if you know or if any of your listeners know of any distinguishable ways to tell a standard uh, Model 3 versus a long-range Model 3 and a standard uh, Model Y versus a long-range Model Y. And more specifically, I'm just curious if there's a way to tell about the, you know, the 4680 models apart. Anyhow, uh, thanks for everything that you do. Looking forward to um, your next podcast. Take care. Dimitri, we would probably get along very well because this is exactly how my brain operates too. I am always playing this game in my head when I'm out driving and seeing other Teslas. But here's the thing. I actually racked my brain over this. I don't think there's going to be a way that you can tell from the outside that a Model Y is one of the standard all-wheel drive models. And the reason is Because it may be standard range, but it's all-wheel drive, so it's still going to have the dual-motor badge on the back of it, just like the long-range all-wheel drive does. Now, technically, there are a very small number of Model Ys that don't have the badge because they're 
were a very small number of standard range rear wheel drive Model Ys that were built. They were made available for literally one month back in, I believe it was January or February of, I think, 2021. So those cars are unicorns. They do exist, but this new Texas-built standard range all-wheel drive that's now available to anybody in North America on the design studio, I don't think there's going to be any any way to tell. Kind of like with the Cybertruck, there's almost certainly, don't know for sure yet, but there's almost certainly not going to be any way to tell whether it's a dual motor 300 mile range Cybertruck or a quad motor 500 mile range Cybertruck because there will be no badges at all on the outside of the Cybertruck. And if you think, well, wait, what about like red brake calipers on the quad motor? Probably not because the aero wheel covers are just going to be on all probably going to be on every single Cybertruck, no matter which variant it is. So yeah, this, uh, this standard range model Y will be a ninja just kind of blending in with all the other model Ys. And I don't think you're going to be able to tell, uh, the, the standard model three, by the way, has no badge on the back, no dual motor badge, but even with that, it doesn't necessarily guarantee that it's a standard range Model 3 because the earliest Model 3s for the first definitely year and I think even about a year and a half of production, they, of course, Tesla made the long range rear wheel drive Model 3 and it those cars didn't get a badge. So uh, now the way you can probably tell that it's one of those, the long range rear wheel drive 3 is if it's got the chrome trim, chrome door handles, if it's got the the uh, black, the satin black trim and bl- and door handles, it's and it's got no badge on the back, uh, it's probably a base Model 3. But yeah, the Model Y, I don't think there's going to be any way to tell. It's only going to be in the software UI if you go into the, the you know, about this car screen. So uh, thank you very much, Dimitri. That one, that one, tested me and I think you've I think you've stumped me. I think I don't think there's any way to tell from the outside. Uh, next up, old friend Lawton from Chicago, one of the longest running listeners that I'm very grateful to have. He recently hit a, a milestone of mileage wise on his Model Y, but then there's some bad news, but he'd like to try and offer you some wisdom coming out of that. So Lawton, take it away. Hi Ryan, it's Lawton from Chicago. I just reached 10,000 miles on my 2022 Model Y, but unfortunately was involved in a car accident. I wanted to share what I learned about being in an accident Tesla with the rest of the community. My daughters and I were driving the highway in the passing lane when another vehicle suddenly came to my lane. Despite taking evasive action, my right right friend hit the other vehicle's driver's side rear door. My Tesla then struck the concrete median head-on, airbags deployed, and came to a stop. Fortunately, other than mild bruises and abrasions, no one was injured in the accident. With it being dazed in shock with a small airbag propellant in the air, in retrospect, there are a few Tesla specific things I would have done differently. First of all, I would confirm the accident was recorded in the dash cam by clicking the save button, then reviewing it in the vehicle. I previously thought that in a major accident, the footage would automatically be saved, but it was not. Second, before powering off your vehicle, open your front windows at least a few inches. That way, you can use a Jimmy tool to trigger the manual door release to open the door when turned off. The accident severely damaged my bumper, preventing the use of a jumper pack to repower the vehicle. 
Lastly, I would add the phone number for Tesla Roadside Assistance of 877-798-3752 to your favorites to have another option outside the app. We're all very thankful the many drivers have stopped to check that we're okay and the professional care received from the police and paramedics. Most of all, my family are grateful to Tesla and my Red Mile Y protect us in one of the safest cars on the road. Congratulations on 400 amazing episodes and counting. Thanks for your continuing efforts to enlighten and enrich the Tesla community. Lawton, I am so sorry to hear about this. Uh, the car, so I actually spoke to Lawton directly. He's uh, one of my very generous Patreon backers who gets a one-on-one hangout uh, every month as, as part of one of his perks. And so we talked through this. His car is totaled, which I thought so based on the description in, in his call there. Uh, but his his occupants, his family is okay. And that's what's important. Um, he is now wrestling with, with what to do to replace his Model Y. Uh, he's a little wary of, of buying a new one without the ultrasonic sensors. So his He's trying to figure out whether to find a used one or or go ahead and order a new one. But and then there's the you know he got FSD much cheaper. It's it's the same position a lot of us would be in that have had our car for a few years, where if it were totaled, you you know we insurance would make you whole to a degree. But and the yeah the prices have have come down on the three and on the Y, but FSD's fifteen grand. So you know it's a it's a bit of a that's that's a tough spot to be in. Uh, because you know Tesla continues to not allow you to transition your FSD subscription or excuse me FSD package fully paid for package over to a new Tesla, which I think I just continue to think is the wrong move. And I I know a lot of you feel the same way. But uh, Lawton, I want to say thank you very much for sharing these these uh, in hindsight tips. You know these wisdom bits of wisdom here for your fellow owners in case they ever have the misfortune of finding themselves in the same position one day. So all the best to you and your family. I'm so glad that you're all okay. And the last call I'm going to do this week, again, I will get to more of you next week, I promise. Robert from Texas commenting on the new highway stack on the FSD beta build. Go ahead, Robert. Hey, Ryan, it's Robert from Texas. Um, if you remember, I've got a Model X uh, that just came in October, one of the new ones. It's, it's excellent. I just want to make a comment. I've got full self-driving, 11.3.4. I just saw I've got another software update from that. But I am really impressed with the highway stack. They have really done some really solid work on that. It's amazing how it slightly gets over for trucks, how well it stays in the lanes. It's now got a new uh, kind of don't change lanes very often setting, which is great. Um, Hopefully they add something on there that does that where you can just hit that once and it does that every time you drive rather than have to do it for every trip. Um, But I am really impressed by it. There were a couple little quirks that were kind of funny. One time, it, you know, a few, not one time, a few times it was in the right lane of a two-way highway going, four-lane highway, two, two lanes going one way. And for some reason, it's, you know, it move over in the left lane and say, getting out of the far, farthest right lane, even though there's only two lanes. So stuff like that's kind of funny. But in general, pretty impressive. And I think it's, it's really showing that Tesla's making incredible progress 
um, and, and, and this new highway stack is not going backwards. It's, it's going forward for sure. So just want to let you know that. Thanks for your show. Love it. See you. Bye. Robert, thank you for your call. I have to agree with you. Is it perfect? Certainly not. But I expected a lot worse during this big transition. Uh, we have seen big software version leaps before. And yes, Selena. Oh, she's trying to get Daisy to play with her. Anyway, uh, it's usually when it's a big like 9 to 10, 10 to 11, you know, it's usually a temporary one step forward, two steps back. But I'm with you. It's really, really good. I mean, it probably was a one step forward, two steps back in 11.0, 11.1, 11.2. But Tesla waited to send it out to the majority of, of us public testers until 11.3, and we are getting a much more polished version because of it. Uh, I, too, noticed how it will scoot to the far side of your lane when you're passing a semi-truck. I like that. And I totally agree with you, by the way, about uh, wanting to have the minimized lane changes on this trip beyond by default, almost, except uh, for the fact that I thought I was going to have to use that a lot, but I have found I've not wanted to press that button. It's been uh, it's been going really well. Anyway, the awesome thing here, it's only going to get better. I wonder how long it's going to take for Tesla to push this to every car as the new highway stack. Okay, Selena. All right, that's enough. Daisy's resting. <sighs> All right, where was I? By the way, okay. Um, oh yeah, how long it's going to take for this to become the, the default in every car, whether they're on the FSD beta highway stack or not. But um, it could be a while. I mean, it could be months, could be years, depending on how they choose to handle it. But uh, as I said at the top of the show, I talked a lot more. I, I did 20 minutes on this on the uh, Patreon bonus episode, the lightning round. So check that out if you're backing me. And if not, perhaps you will consider doing so after my, hopefully my body of work uh, speaks for itself that you're, you might want to, might want to join, join the Patreon. Uh, but those are my general thoughts. Very impressed with FSD 11.3. All right. That's everything for the ride. The lightning hotline this week. The news went so long, I will do my best to get to more Ride the Lightning hotline calls next week. Please keep them coming. I gave you the call-in instructions at the top of this segment. But stick with me. The podcast is not over. I've got more to talk about coming up right after this. Okay, I think order has been restored here uh, in the McCaffrey household. Daisy's, the, Zelina's laying down quietly. As you, can, as you got a, uh, a, a sample of there, the demand barking is one of the things that we're working on with Zelina because a service dog can't do that. That's not, she's got to be either, you know, she's got to be quiet until she is told to speak. Like she acts, the good news is we were able to turn her immense desire to bark into something I can get her to do on command. So that's cool. I'm not going to, I'm going to spare you any additional barks. You've gotten enough, but um, anyway, we are, we're working on it. It's uh, but she's, I'll tell you for real, she's been great. Um, the training's going really well. I'm having a ball uh, doing it. And my family's really, really uh, bonding with her and, and participating and having a good time with the training as well. So again, if, you know, if it's something you've ever thought about, 
you know, trying to help somebody out and be a puppy raiser for a future service dog, check out Canine Companions. They're a nationwide organization. That's who that's who uh, we're volunteering with here with Zelina. All right, uh, an entertainment recommendation for you. Video game this time, Resident Evil 4 Remake, available on Xbox, PlayStation, and PC. It is an amazing game, whether you played it years and years ago or, like me, are playing it for the first time. I actually never played Resident Evil 4 back when it first hit the GameCube in oh. Not not 02, 03 maybe? Anyway, uh, pro tip of the week. Let's do one of those. Gideon from Indianapolis. Hey, Ryan. Gideon from Indianapolis, Indiana. Long time, first time. Appreciate the podcast. I had a pro tip for you when you're uh, doing the voice dictation on the text. You can click the right mouse wheel. And uh, after you dictate it, print it on the screen. Uh, you can always click once to send and uh, double click to redo the text to speech. But a lot of times the text is really small; it's hard to see when you're driving. So, a pro tip is that if you long click the wheel, it will actually read it back to you. A wall as well. And uh, thanks again for everything you do. So often, I'm reminded of why I love this segment. I didn't know this one. Thank you very much, Gideon. I suspect you've given a lot of us a very useful pro tip today. And if anybody else out there has a good pro tip of the week that you'd like to share with me and your fellow Tesla owners and enthusiasts, please call in with it. You can call in the same way that you call into the regular Ride the Lightning hotline, which the instructions, uh, I gave you those a little earlier on the podcast. All right, before I get going, let me mention some friends of the podcast who can hopefully be of service to you. I will start with abstractocean.com. They make a million awesome, fine aftermarket accessories. You should go to abstractocean.com, browse by whichever Tesla you have. They sort by car. Take a look at everything, pile everything you like into your shopping cart. And then when you get to checkout, use the coupon code RTLPODCAST to get 15% off of your first order. Meanwhile, the snap plate is available at everyamp.com slash RTL. It's available for the 3, the Y, the X, and the S as well. The front license plate bracket that I recommend if you either want or need, by law, to have a front license plate on your car. It snaps on and off in seconds. It's paint safe, grill safe, radiator safe, and autopilot safe. Nice, clean, minimal design. You know me. I love minimalist designs. Blends in perfectly with the Tesla front end when it's installed and leaves no unsightly hardware behind when it's removed. Make those fix-it tickets go away if you're parked at a parking meter or in some other situation where you just got to have a front license plate. So get yours at everyamp.com slash RTL. BudgetSafeSolar.com should be the first place you go after you, of course, I'm sure you're going to check Tesla Solar. I did. But if that doesn't work out for you for whatever reason, check out BudgetSafeSolar.com. They will work with you directly to design the right system, the right solar system for your home or office or business. Uh, They did a great job on mine. I've got an eight kilowatt system, which is way, way more than what Tesla was willing to go from their just quick little, you know, overhead Google Maps, Google satellite view. Okay, this is what it's going to be. And again, I get it. Tesla is trying to move as fast as possible. 
So, you know, they're going to service as many people as they can that way. In my case, with my weird hundred year old San Francisco house, I needed a little more personal attention in order to get the, uh, the system, the, uh, the high enough kilowatt system that I wanted budgetsafesolar.com. They took good care of me. Uh, they also now, if you're in California, batteries are now a necessity as well. So Budget Safe Solar can take care of that, that uh, battery storage. Go to budgetsafesolar.com. And if you do choose to proceed with an installation on your home or business, please use the referral code RTL. If you are in or going to be in the greater San Francisco Bay Area with your car, why not treat it to a spa day? It will look better than ever. Take it to Immaculate Reflections. The website is irdetailing.com. There is a very nice discount waiting for you if you just mention when you reach out through the website, irdetailing.com. Mention that you're a Ride the Lightning listener and any work that you book, there will be that nice little RTL discount for you. So what? maybe you want to do ceramic coating. Maybe you want to do paint protection film on some or all of the car. Maybe you want to do paint correction as well. Uh, check them out, irdetailing.com. I vouch for them as a client and just as I vouch for Jeff as a human being. He's an absolutely wonderful person as well. I was, I was so happy to do business with him. Get your dash cam and sentry mode one-stop shop. That's a uh, puretesla.com slash RTL. The, mi- the uh, micro, pardon me, micro SD based solution. That's just going to last and last and last. Going to be very reliable for you. The 128 gigabyte kit is 49 bucks shipped free anywhere in the US. 256 gig kit is $69. They also sell that nice wireless, uh, it's just very slim, low profile wireless game controller kit that can be easily stored in your center console or your glove box in your Tesla. Uh, so any of that that's of interest to you, get it at puretesla.com RTL. I've mentioned the Patreon a couple times this week, so uh, I won't dwell on it here, but I'll just mention the support tiers start at just five bucks a month. You can support me for just five bucks a month and the work I'm doing here on Ride the Lightning, which I hope you're enjoying. And the $5 a month pledge will get you early access to each week's episode. If you go to that next tier at 10 bucks a month, that's when you'll get the weekly lightning round bonus episode as well as the early access to each week's regular episode, the one you're listening to right now. My Patreon page again, is found at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Uh, if you're not already subscribing or following on one of the major podcast services, please do so because it just means the show will automatically feed to you every single week. You won't have to go look for it. I'm on all the big ones. Uh, I'm also on YouTube, but just in audio only format. But if you do prefer to listen there, just search Ride the Lightning Tesla on YouTube. You should find my channel, no problem. I have got a puppy over here that I think I'm going to have to pause the podcast. And let's see. Well, maybe, maybe we'll take, we're at the end. Let's see. I mean, she's already barking. Here we go. All right. Zelina speak. Yes. Good job. She thought about it for a second. She thought about it. She's looking at me. I think she wants to get the heck out of this, this uh, room. Cause I've, I've got myself closed in my office when I record the podcast for not only to not bother my wife and daughter with my loud voice, but just 
for sound sound purposes as well. It's a little sounds a little better this way. Anyway, uh, I mentioned immaculate reflection. Blah blah blah. Where are we? Oh yeah, the where to listen to the podcast, subscribe, all that stuff. Okay, Zelina, come on. Yeah, I'm cr- I'm cradling you, huh? Just holding you. You're on your back. You're in the chair here. This is how we trim your nails and brush your teeth. Cradling is one of the things that they teach, they want us to do with these dogs. All right, anyway, uh, teslapodcast at gmail.com. That's the email address that you can write to me at any time. I'm on Twitter and Instagram, same handle for both, DMC underscore Ryan, if you're interested in following me on either or both of those social media platforms. And with that, Uh, The last task here is to extend a sincere hello and an even more sincere thank you to the upper tier Patreon backers. I will start with the Maximum Plaid backers. Thank you so much to Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, the Galpin family, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Watley, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Mo- uh, Michael Williams, pardon me, Will Stedman, Maitsuaru, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Corey O'Donnell, Aaron, John Cody, Andre Kent, Joel Sapp, Kim Bay, Paul Casarino, Richard Corley, Chris Osborne, KB, We Drive Tesla EV Luxury Car Rental in Oahu, HaloBengals.com, Chris Pratt, Ken Epstein, Doug Carey, James Gregory, Adam Lavoy, ContactOneCallCenter.com, Jason Chalukas, and Travis Krenzel. I hope to see and, and talk to a lot of you at the uh, April Patreon Zoom Hangout. That is happening tomorrow as I record here, so it'll be on Saturday. I'm looking forward to that. It's been a little while since I uh, normally do these at the first Saturday of the month, first weekend of the month, but since I was traveling, it's uh, it's been a little while now. It's been a good, what, like month and a half since we did one, so that should be fun. Uh, thank you so much to the Roadster in Space tier backers as well, Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, Howard Anthony Smith, Victoria Ayacaveto, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, and Carol Weston. And finally, the Plaid Level supporters grandfathered in. I sincerely appreciate their continued support. Thank you to George Cassiopo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, Dory and Steve Guberman, the Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Dennis Peak, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, the Lydia family, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, the Tesla owners East Bay Club, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Matt Nixon, the Tesla owners club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zelesny, Ish, not Elon Musk, T. Kirk Lowry, Peter, and the Bear Boys of Colorado. I'd like to apologize if uh, any of the barking was disruptive or annoying in your ear uh, this on this episode. I, I'm not sure why she's this wound up. It's I'm finishing this 8.48 p.m. here, and uh, she's been walked recently. She's been fed. 
Everything's been, she's been let out recently. She, I don't think she's trying to tell me anything. Oh, goodness. And now Siri's yelling at me. Everything's falling apart at the end of the podcast. So I should just go. This has been <laughs> Ride the Lightning episode 402. Thank you all so much for listening, for your time, for your attention. I do not take it for granted. It is sincerely appreciated. And I will see you next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.